Hello, I'm Leanne Townsend, a family law lawyer and chair of the family law group at Mills and Mills LLP. Welcome to Divorcing Well. In this week's episode, I'm really excited to have a guest who's going to share her divorce story. Uh, Leah Bajermi is my guest today. And as I said, I'm always excited when people come on and share what they've gone through, the challenges, the learnings, because I know it's so relatable for so many of my listeners. So thank you so much, Leah, for coming on and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Why don't you start by just letting listeners know a little bit about you and your background? I'm a single mom of two small children. Uh, One is two and the other is four. Uh, And I'm now living here in Oakville for about uh, four years now. Um, uh, Previously, I was living in Montreal and I spent many years over there. Um, And that's where I had... uh, met my ex-partner in which we relocated uh, here for him to take a job. Um, So I have been, you know, exploring Toronto area GTA for the last five years, which is still like new to me to this day, but uh, I really enjoy it. That's good. And you you just recently started a new position as well. Isn't that right? Yes. So I just started working for a company um, and it's a work from home job, which has been going really well. And I have like a fantastic boss. So just that alone for me is like really great, especially during COVID. And um, the company is also like mental health is very important to them and they take that really seriously. So I feel grateful for being affiliated with a company that recognizes that. Yeah, that's great. Um, Why don't you start by telling us uh, a little bit about um, how long you were married for um, and, you know, what your marriage was generally like before you guys separated and got divorced. So I met my ex-partner in Montreal. Um, We, you know, we spent a brief time in Montreal, actually. He relocated there um, and we went on dates and, you know, it was like really good. Um, And then shortly after he announced to me that he was going to be relocating and taking a job um, in Mississauga, uh, a new opportunity that he didn't want to let go of this opportunity. So at that point I, you know, was kind of like sad to hear the news. And then we, um, he had to relocate pretty quickly uh, and then we were um, seeing each other on the weekends when we could. Uh, and then shortly after that, I discovered I was pregnant. Um, and so that was like a surprise. And we, you know, chatted about it and decided that it was best that I relocate over to um, to be with him so that he could, you know, be there to help with the baby and that kind of thing. And I decided I was going to go ahead and have the baby. So um, I moved from Montreal to Oakville while I was six months pregnant. I had to kind of like close everything, shut everything down and quit my job and do things like that. That must have been hard. It was really hard. I was like really um, triggered because I had my own place. It was like right by the water. And so like my my neighbors were like a marina 
I loved where I lived. It was really peaceful and quiet. And I had kind of created a really nice, comfortable life for myself. So I, I struggled a little bit to give up all that to the, you know, going into the unknown. Now, at that point in time, was your marriage good? Like, did you feel, you know, like things were going well and, um, you know, you didn't, weren't expecting to kind of end up ultimately where you were? So, like, everything was, like, very good. You know, we, we had a few dis- disagreements, you know, when I first met him. And I found out, like, you know, his level of communication wasn't, like, ideal at times. And never really thought about it until after the fact but um he he was pretty um set on doing things a certain way and so when we'd have a disagreement it was a disagreement because he wasn't open to my view on something and um that was what i had kind of discovered but we you know for the most part it was all like fun and we enjoyed each other's company and we had like really good times together when we were living in Montreal and the restaurants and stuff, you know, going out doing activities. So when I moved here at six months pregnant to um, Oakville, it was very, very different for me, a different life um, in which I was preparing to give birth and I didn't have any family or friends around. So I found that really hard to, um, you know, to try to get comfortable with. And then the fact knowing that I'm going to be a mom in three months. So I was dealing with all that um, and then discovered, you know, like um, he, my ex-partner was, you know, um, being, becoming more argumental with me and, you know, not, not able to sympathize or empathize on my situation and all the changes that I was going through. And he, he was already established here with his work and he had friends and um, a little bit of family here already. So it was like a lot easier for him to kind of adapt. And his friends were all friends from like university. So uh, for me, it was pretty much like starting from new and, uh, so I was dealing with all that at the same time. And is that when things started to, you know, kind of change in terms of the dynamics of the relationship? Uh, it, so we had some pretty heated arguments before I gave birth. Then after I gave birth, I was just dealing with becoming a new mom. And my first child, um, she did not want to sleep like at all. So I was extremely sleep deprived, which was really hard to manage and juggle. And I was, you know, up with my daughter most of the time because he was working in the day and wanted him to, you know, get his sleep. Um, And so because I was so sleep deprived, it really was affecting, you know, my spirits. And, you know, we were arguing um, a lot more and he was only wanting to do things his way and not open so much to doing things my way. And when I would tell him I would feel uncomfortable in scenarios, um, he would ignore it. And so 
that made me feel even more uncomfortable. Um, so then, you know, we tried, we tried to like, you know, manage through it. Um, and at times there would be other heated arguments. And um, at one point, you know, I said to him, like, if this relationship isn't working, then, you know, I'll, I'll take my daughter and we'll relocate to Ottawa where all my family is. And that did not go well with him um, in a sense of basically telling me I was going to be kidnapping his daughter. <laughs> so, and it wasn't the case. It was just trying to uh, deal with the situation and having to deal with someone that was, you know, um, selfish and, narcissistic but it was more of the words the bullying words that he would say to me and that's that's kind of what made me a little bit more afraid now whose decision was it to ultimately separate it was his decision it came by surprise we were at a family wedding um and he uh, we were at a family wedding for his stepbrother who was getting married so all his side of the family was present at the wedding and all his friends from university was there. And I was there with my, we, we brought the two kids, but I was mainly managing them um, during that time of the wedding. And it was kind of a different wedding. It was like in a art gallery. And um, I just found it to be a little bit like uncomfortable and hot and they didn't even have like water. So I was like trying to, you know, let him know that I'm like a little bit like overwhelmed here trying to manage the two kids and um yeah and he was pretty much mingling around uh visiting with everyone so at that point he was drinking and he was drinking a lot so he um he basically just came out and said to me that our relationship's done and it's over and I was like it wasn't like anything I expected to hear, especially at a wedding. And I didn't like know what. During the, like the reception at the wedding is when this happened or. Yeah. Yeah. So there was other yeah. people around. So I was in an area so I could let my younger daughter kind of walk around. Um, so there wasn't many people around at the time when he actually said it to me, but he basically just said our relationship's over and he walked away. And I was left shocked, humiliated. Um, I just couldn't believe what I had heard, you know, and, and I didn't have anyone to really go to in that moment. So that was like very isolating um, and hard to manage. So I discovered that he walked away and then he went and told his family and some of his friends. And, you know, wow. it was so embarrassing because like it was done in such a public um, venue. Yeah, and that must have been awful. It was. It was really awful. And then he told me that I should go home with the kids and he'll find his way home kind of thing. So it was just like that night was, um, I was pretty much all in shock. And then the next day I woke up, you know, not knowing if this is true or not true. And he basically said to me, like, the next morning, there's no going back. We're, we're done. And at that point, I was like, devastated, upset, you know, because I took initiative uh, to try to like work on a relationship and I encouraged us to do like couple counseling and 
but at this point he had already checked out and um, his decision was made. So there was nothing that I could say or do that would help um, improve the situation. Yeah, that's, that's awful. Um, when was your second child born? So my second child was born um, November 20th, 2018. So it was about two year difference from my old, uh, older daughter. Um, and then, you know, at this point, things were really not going well. And I said to him, like, do you, I found out I was pregnant and for the second time. And I said, do you feel like we should have this? Cause I was also, you know, going through counseling with my psychologist and she encouraged me to really think about having the second child. And, you know, it wasn't going to make life easy at all, it would just make things even more complicated. So I had a conversation with him about it. And then he, you know, he was not open at all. And he basically said to me that, so you're telling me that you want to kill our child. And so it was like seen in that way to him. So it was very right. hard to like get the message across that, you know, like we're not getting along very well and we should really, you know, be responsible and look at the, at this and, you know, it's just going to bring more complication. And he, he just couldn't see it like that. He just thought like, you know, I wanted to end, uh, end this pregnancy. Right. When was the, the wedding that you mentioned where he, you know, announced it was over? Like, when was that in relation to when your second child was born? So my daughter was born November 20th and uh, 2018. And then the wedding that we were attending was, I believe, October 20th or 29th. I can't remember now. 2019. So my okay. daughter wasn't even a year. When and did you actually separate then right at that time or how, like, how did, you know, that move forward? He didn't really want to have any discussions about it. So it was really awkward. Like we were just at home at the house and then we slept in different rooms. Um, but as the time went on, you know, he was like less in communication with me and became extremely uncomfortable to live in that kind of environment. So I get, I let it, like, I gave it some time. We we're co-parenting and, and then I realized like, this is t very uncomfortable for me and it's just not working. And I asked him like, you know, I think we, we need to separate like physically because I'm not comfortable with this situation. And, you know, he basically said to me, well, if you want to leave, you can leave. Um, and I said, well, at the time we were living in my parents' house. And it was my parents that um, we were renting to. And so I knew that wasn't going to happen. My parents weren't going to let me move out. Um, and he had, you know, we had a very good price for rent. So he was very, he did not want to move out. He wanted to stay. And so that in itself was a battle. And I wasn't able to get him to move out or talk about it or anything. So it was like awkward. Uh, that's the best way to describe it. And I really felt like my children could sense it. And that was yeah. the part that 
was more upsetting for me because I really didn't want to show, you know, any kind of like it's the energy that they could feel, you know, and that was bothering more than anything. For sure. Our kids are very perceptive, you know, and uh, even yeah. young kids can pick up on things. Um, now, I relate to your story a little bit in that my children were also very young uh, when my ex-husband and I split up and it was very hard, um, you know, being a, like I, I say a single parent, like my, in my case, their dad was, you know, in their life and did take them at times But when they were younger, he didn't take them as much as he did as they got older for, for a variety of reasons. Um, and, it, and it was very, very hard. So what, like, what advice do you have for someone out there who, you know, is in your type of situation where they're, you know, in the throes of separation or divorce, and they've got young children, and they're trying to, you know, be a good mom, while at the same time managing the stress and challenges they're facing? Well, I was definitely scared. That's like for sure, because I was like now living here with no family or friends on my own as a single mom with two very small children. Um, luckily, at the time, I had joined, um, I had just like joined a mommy's group to help. Um, and so I was able to associate myself around like a variety of mommies that were around the same age as my youngest daughter. And we kind of like bonded we got together every week, talked about different subjects on health. And so I was at the time, this was all happening while they were around me. And they were so supportive when they heard what had happened. Um, they all basically came together and they offered to make meals or offered to bring me anything that I needed. Um, mm -hmm. And I was so grateful for that because I, that was really like something I didn't expect, but it was so touching at the same time because they really felt um, for me. And so having like a really, like having a support system is really important if you're able to. Um, and luckily I had this new group of friends that had, you know, kids uh, as well, and they were really understanding. And so anytime I wanted to vent too, I could go to them and vent. And then I also was like, needed like more um, to deal with this. So uh, I was like, um, I connected with the, uh, with the woman's, um, the Halton woman's uh, shelter, in which I had a caseworker and she was working with me and was helping me give me some very good resources on where I could go and what I can do. And um, that was like a support that was so valuable um, because without that also I wasn't you know having the knowledge of what to do next where should I go for this and and then my parents were always there to help you know and they they wanted to you know they kept telling me how strong I am to kind of keep me going because it was very very challenging at the time so you know I that was like my support at the time well, and it's good that you were, you were willing and able to, you know, tap into that because sometimes people, you know, when they're going through a rough time, it's like they, they want to isolate more, they become more reclusive. And, and that's often, you know, the worst thing that someone can do in that situation. And, you know, one of the things I really respect about you is that you've been able to, it seems, assemble 
the supports you need because I know you're, you're just mentioning with your the friend group and and the organizations you reached out to and I know as well that um, you've worked with a you know not only a lawyer but with a divorce coach as well and yeah um, I've had a number of divorce coaches uh, on my podcast but I haven't had someone who's actually worked with a divorce coach so um, for those listeners out there who are kind of wondering, you know, what is the experience like working with a divorce coach? Has it been, is it something you recommend? What are your thoughts on that? Well, for me, it was like the best investment I ever made, to be honest, because I didn't even know it existed um, until I was, you know, informed about it. And so um, I, you know, reached out to her, to this divorce coach, and we started to talk and then it, you know, she was very present for me in terms of my emotions and how to deal with situations because, you know, it's like up and down, you're, you know, you're triggered by something and you don't know how to handle it. And so I was able to utilize her um, to help me, you know, kind of navigate through some difficult situations. And at the same time, it was, you know, working with the lawyer you know, in a, in a more objective way versus going to the lawyer and having the lawyer be the therapist too. So it, that was like um, so valuable, you know, because I didn't even know that before that it ex- existed. And so still to this day, I'm working with my divorce coach lawyer at, or coach and she's she's been very supportive and checking in and checking in and been available whenever I've had like a a trigger a situation where I'm like so emotional and I don't know how to deal with it. So it's been like amazing. No, and I think that's great. And I think like, you know, the things you just said are, um, they're so important because I, you know, I have clients where, you know, when they get triggered, I, I am the call that they make. And, and I'm, you know, I'm more than happy, you know, to deal with that and to help people with that. But uh, you know, I think that when someone has a coach, it can, it's definitely more cost effective and a better use of the role of, um, you know, the parties involved. And so it, it's just nice to have to be able to ask you about that. Because as I say, I, like, I'm totally supportive of the role of divorce coaches. And I've had a number of them on the podcast, but I have never been able to ask someone on the podcast who has been using one. And so it's, uh, you know, it's great to hear yeah. your experience. And, you know, for listeners out there, I, I, something really seriously to, you know, to look into adding to your, um, your divorce team, you know, as a coach. Yeah, it's, it's actually very, you know, it, it's not expensive. And it also helps minimize the bills for the lawyers. So that's like, you know, it's a win win for everyone. Now you're still um, very much, I know, in you know the throes of everything. It's not like you're in a situation where you can look back and you're divorced and all the issues are resolved. And you know, in your matter, um, it's. I know one of the things you've said to me is, you know, that it's it, it's slow, like it's slowly proceeding, not maybe at the pace you would like. And so, what advice, you know, because that's something that comes up for me with lots of my clients that you know, they get frustrated because it, it just is the slow and the system works slowly and things happen slowly. And 
um, it can be very frustrating. So what advice do you have for somebody who, you know, is, is getting impatient with the system or finding things slow? How do you cope with that? Well, in the beginning, honestly, I didn't understand. Like, I just thought, okay, you do this, this, and it's like a done deal. And then whatever, like it, it, but actually it was the opposite. And so I learned that I have to wait for things and I have to be patient for things. And um, it's not, you know, when you're working with different parties, like myself, my ex, court, lawyer, it all takes time. So, and what I learned through my divorce coach is you don't want to rush that process. Um, and it's actually a good thing because the longer you go, you know, the longer it takes kind of thing, the stronger you you become. And that's what is so valuable for me because I'm like, you know, that day, you know, where we have to negotiate or go to court, um, I'll be mentally stronger than I was when I first started this whole process. So that part for me is like really um, valuable because I, you know, I need to be as strong as I can mentally to, to deal with this situation. I think that's a really positive way of looking at it. And it's, you know, it's so true. What for you has been the most challenging part so far? Well, it's just like, you know, my ex dealing with my ex has been very challenging because he's pretty much deciding how things are going to be, how things are going to go, you know. And so I, I find that awkward and challenging because I just want everything to be like done and on paper and, he's ready to fight me on anything. So, you know, this is where it's taken a lot of energy um, and, you know, emotional energy. So I, I've had to like manage that, um, you know, and then at one point we were still living in the same house and my mom was kind of worried a little bit for my well-being. And so she came and decided to visit for a week or two and um, he wouldn't even let her stay and that was really like shocking to me and so he called the police and he he said that my mom is trespassing even though it was my my parents house that like they owned so it was like one hurdle one challenge after another with him and so what I realized is I really needed to get myself protected and I needed to get myself a contract um, because this was not as important to my ex, but it's extremely important for myself and for my children for the next, like, you know, until they're of age 18, you know, and I, I just want to be protected because I don't have, I don't trust that it's, it's going to go fine without a contract. <laughs> For sure. I mean, it's so important to have either a separation agreement or a court order that, you know, outlines, you know, everything to do with schedules and support and, um, you know, division of assets, if that's happening in a relationship and, and having things, because the other thing that, you know, I've, it's funny, I've, you know, I've seen this happen. I've even have a, a family member who this has happened to, who lives in another province, you know, he's separated and, um, they've they separated years ago but they never bothered to get a separation agreement or get a court order and 
every once in a while, his ex um, denies access. And because he doesn't have an agreement or a court order, he's always mm-hmm. in a problem um, for, to, to do anything about it. And I'm always saying, like, you've got to get a lawyer, you've got to get a lawyer, and you've got to deal with this once and for all. And, you know, he's held off because he didn't want the costs of lawyers and, you know, all of that. But it just keeps, you know, it, it keeps happening. And I, you know, it, it without an agreement or a court order, like you are really stuck in those kind of situations where you're not getting along and your ex, you know, misbehaves or doesn't follow, you know, the status quo that you have, even though it's not in a court order or an agreement. And so you're very, you know, you're, you're very right. It's, you need the the clarity and the, the consistency and the enforceability of having something. Well, I think for me, the more important part about it is um, it was like, I want a contract so that he can't bully me into things. And so, Mm. you know, I like for Christmas, like he knew family traditions and what we did for for Christmas. And I emailed him middle of November to find out, you know, is he okay if I take a few of his days to go to Ottawa, this kind of thing for Christmas and never responded back, nothing, you know, he just, ignored it and then you know two weeks before Christmas I do a follow-up email and he's like nothing's going to change and like he was the one to decide that and I really was like that was a huge trigger for me so you know I called him and I was like basically it was like very emotional with him because I'm like did you not get my email did you not like discuss this um I said, well, technically, you know, we don't have a contract, so I can still go with my girls. Um, And he's like, you're not going to do that. And if you do that, you know, kind of thing, I'll call the police and say that that they're being kidnapped from me and call an Amber Alert. And I'm just like, so it's really heavy for me with these words when he uses them. And I just want it to have everything down on paper and have my rights protected, my children's rights protected, and we just follow the rules so that it, it, it minimizes any unforeseen like arguments or conflict. And yeah. Um, what advice do you have for somebody who is in a situation where they feel bullied by their ex? Like, have you found that you've been able to stand up to that better as some time has gone on? And what advice do you have? it's really difficult when you're bullied because they you're in a position where you're really in a low place. And so I, when I realized how low I was is when, you know, I was like having counseling with my psychologist. Um, I was going to the woman's center and, you know, the, my caseworker basically said like, he is, these are all signs of bullying and, you know, being in control and, you know, and it kind of opened my eyes and I was a little bit shocked at the time, to be honest, because I didn't realize really what I was in and how bad the situation was because you're just kind of coping and you're just surviving. Um, And then my parents started to make comments to me and then I, I realized, okay, this, this is not right. And so I had to um, really just navigate um, through that. And I, you know, having this divorce coach was very good for me, having the Women's Center to help me, keep me on 
check because it's so easy to go back into denial and say, oh, no, this is not true. This is not true. It's not happening. And it really is. So um, having like a support around you and keep you accountable for what is happening is really like important because it's so easy to say, oh, you know, dismiss really bad behavior. Right. Because I think when you're in a relationship where you're, you know, being bullied, um, because, you know, I've in my life, I've been in relationships where I've been kind of bullied as well. And I found that I adopted a certain role, you know, is the dynamic of the relationship where, you know, the other person was the bully and getting what they want. And I, you know, even if I stood up to it, eventually I would fold. So they knew, or, you know, he knew if he pushed hard enough and long enough that, you know, eventually I'd fall into to line. And so um, it's really, it's challenging to change, you know, that dynamic, but it's definitely possible to do it as, you know, as, as you say, and like, certainly that's, in my experiences, once you start, you know, firmly having those boundaries, um, they'll test them uh, and they'll test them a lot, but eventually they start getting the message. Well, yeah, like, um, you know, he's been very good at accusing me of many things every time we have some sort of interaction. And so it's really important not to get caught up into it and believe it. Um, I you know, had just like had a job at the time when he was like moving out and we had discussed about uh, carpooling in the morning because the daycare had just reopened from COVID. And he said he'd take the girls to daycare on my time. And then suddenly that just stopped with no notice. And so, you know, I had like this to deal with and unfortunately lost my job, um, you know, and so that was like a hard blow. But at the same time, I knew it's like I'm doing what I can to be, you know, to survive right now. And so um, that if that happened, I, I was OK with it just because I needed to like just be in a in a place where I can manage the situation. And by letting like, he, you know, leaning on him to help me was not going to happen because he just kind of put me in situations where put me in bad situations. So I, I made a decision at that time where there's nothing that I'm going to be doing that will be relying on him or getting any sort of support from him. Now, I always like to leave listeners with something positive or inspiring. So with everything that you've gone through, um, is there a, a positive that's come out of all of this? There definitely is positive. I have two beautiful young girls. Um, and I have uh, really worked on my um, self-esteem and my confidence. Um, that's been like a really big factor for me and to recognize, um, you know, these like red flags uh, for my next future relationship so that um, I don't fall back into these, uh, like this kind of pattern. And also, I really felt like I need to stand up for myself so that my daughters see that, you know, me as their mom is strong and I'm not going to let like bad behavior be accepted. And they're observing this as well. So that for me is, is, um, makes me feel very um, happy, you know, to show them that. For sure. I mean, you're being a great role model. And, you know, research shows 
that children often emulate their parents and their parents' relationships and whatnot. So if you're able to kind of break uh, a cycle or break a, a bad pattern or, a, you know, whatever, it, so that your children can see something different, that's so important. Um, you yeah. know, research girls who have, you know, moms who are in abusive relationships often grow up seeking out those types of relationships and boys who grow up, you know, with parents in that type of relationship often end up being abusers themselves because everyone models, you know, what they learn. So, um, you know, kudos to you for, you know, doing what you're doing. And I really respect you and admire your courage for coming on this podcast and sharing, you know, your story. And it's still very, raw because you're still in you know in the thick of it like I'll have to have you back um a year from now you yeah know, you get the next the, the next chapter when you know hopefully by then you know all of this that you're not in the thick of things and things have been are more resolved by that point and we'll see where mm-hmm. you're at because um as you say I really appreciate you coming on at this point in time and sharing your story and having the courage to to use it to help other people so thank you yeah, well, thank you for inviting me. And I'm happy that if I could help others, that means a lot to me, too. Now, if any of the listeners wanted to, you know, contact you or follow up with you, what would be the best way for them to find you? I have Instagram. Love with Leah is uh, my handle. So I can, maybe you can include it on your Yeah, I can include or... it with the po- podcast posting. Yeah, that's the best way to to reach me, Instagram. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Leah. I really appreciate you sharing your story. Well, thank you. You as well. And thank you to my listeners. Please like, subscribe, refer the podcast to your friends and family and uh, come back next week to join me on Divorcing Well. Hi, my name is Janet Finaki, and I'm the host of the Resilient People podcast. I interview regular people from around the world who've experienced something major in their lives, bounced back, and found a purpose in helping others be resilient too. They're folks like you and me, and their stories are totally relatable, extraordinary, and inspiring. I had no idea what I could do until I did it. But it's the motivation of doing for other people that you know need support, need help, that you're able to really push and dig and find what you can do. Have an open discussion and not write us off and allow us to actually talk about our disability. Like, don't assume my limits mm-hmm. for me. You know, we went for a drive, told her what her mom was going through and what the likely outcome is going to happen. And we both just bawled. And then finally, Kate just said that we need to have hope. And to be resilient, you have to, you have, to have hope. Join me as we get to know some incredibly resilient people. The Resilient People Podcast is everywhere you get your podcasts. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for joining me on Divorcing Well. If you have any separation or divorce questions, you can get in touch with me via my website at www.leannetownsend.ca.